to Totalus Rankium. This week, Romanos. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. This is episode 125, Romanos. Oh, we're just saying before we start recording, sounds like a real Roman name. Real, real Roman name. I'm quite excited. Yeah. Bodes well, I feel. It does bode well. Before we carry on, though, uh, quick comment. It's it's bonfire night. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. So uh, uh, you're going to hear some fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> and not just from... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're recording this at the end of the episode, and I'm just going to whack it at the front um, in a weird cut. Uh, but yeah, uh, we tried to talk around the fireworks. It didn't work. Jamie kept setting them off in the room. Uh, it was very distracting. But yeah. I just love fireworks. Sorry for the bangs. Anyway, um, cut to past Rob and Jamie now. Or future Rob and Jamie. Because we're recording the next bit after we recorded this bit. Oh, it's Ooh. going weird. Oh, it's going weird. It's going weird. <laughs> we need to stop because I'm getting an existential crisis. Let's, let's just cut to the other Rob and Jamie. Yeah. Oh. oh, we'll just keep going around in loops. Oh, no. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, future Rob and Jamie. Or past Rob and Jamie. Ooh. Oh. Okay. So, should we just jump straight into it? Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's do this. No filler this week. No. Don't worry, chair, chair announcement at the end. If, if you only tuned in for the chairs, which is understandable. <laughs> yeah, you've got to earn that announcement. <laughs> Remember, we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. We did. We did. Because Zoe was deposed and her faction kind of fell apart. Yeah. Threw their weight behind the Patriarch Nicholas. So now we have the Patriarch Nicholas in the palace in control. Yeah. And then we've got Leo Focus in charge of the army. Yes. And then we've got Romanos in charge of the navy. So who becomes emperor? Uh, well, you just have to wait and find out how all this infighting plays out. But we're not going to start with Romanos. But a man named Theophylact. Theophylact. Yeah. How long did it take you to pronounce his name properly? Like when across, you were typing it up? come across a Theophylact before. Have we? Yeah. Oh, okay. It... it Caused me pause before, but uh, I'm, I'm used to it now. Uh, this particular Theophylact, because we come across a couple today. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, he's a peasant. He is. Oh. Yeah. It's a picture of a peasant. Farmer. Yeah, that'll do. What's he wearing? Not much. Oh. He's, he's, well, he's in a bath. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I'll say dog. bath in a big barrel outside in the yeah. rainwater. <laughs> he was changing the guttering and slipped. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So there's Theophylact. Um, he's on the right side of Anatolia. Okay. Yeah, that's where he lives. I put him near his house, but fair enough. <laughs> he's, he's there as well. Right. He can multitask. Um, he's, th this region's where, where like, the, the top end of Mesopotamia is. Um, right. You, you've got, like, the Euphrates, the, but the very start of the Euphrates. Yeah. Right hand of modern-day Turkey. That's where yes. we are. There's been a lot of um, back and forth between the Caliphate and the Romans in this region recently. Right. Indeed, there's fighting going on right now. Whilst he's trying to get out of the battle. <laughs> he's in that position where his like, arms and legs are out, but his arse is right in. He's trying yeah. to like, hoik himself yeah. out. But... <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. His wife's just shouting at him, why don't you make something of yourself, Theophylact? <laughs> Look at all these shiny soldiers in their armour. Yeah. Why can't you be more like them? They like don't get your stuck in barrels. No. Exactly. Should have married your brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been disappointed since day one. 
first night. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Understandably, when Fearful Act prizes himself out of his barrel, he decides that he's going to do something with his life. Oh, that's good. He's got a young family. He's got a boy who's just been born. It's probably not his. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> do you want to hazard a guess on the name of this boy? Theophylact, by any chance? No, no, it's not. It's, oh. it's Romanos. Oh. Oh. oh, there we go, there we go. Oh, yeah, oh that's clever. <laughs> yes. So who knows who Romanos's father is? Probably the person he called uncle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, Theophylact thinks that he's got to uh, provide for his son because he thinks it's his son yeah. and uh, his family. Uh, and he would anyway. He was a decent guy. He was. He, he tried hard. Just everything he did went a bit yeah, exactly. awful. <laughs> anyway, because the Imperial Army was marching through, quite literally, Theophilat decides to sign up and earn a living. Oh, dear. He becomes a soldier. Yeah. He fights for a bit, so do a quick montage of him fighting and learning the ropes. Okay. Literally stood in front of some ropes. Yeah, just... hitting them with, with sticks. Yeah. Then upgrades to a wooden sword, then a real sword. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then... A battle, a real battle. He's fighting, and there's the emperor himself near him in battle. Ooh. This is Basil, we're in Basil's reign. Yeah. And we don't have the details, but apparently something happens where Basil's life is put into danger. It's like a spear is coming slow motion across the battlefield yeah. directly into Basil's mm -hmm. face. <laughs> it's making the traditional spear noise. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's um, slowed down. Yeah, exactly. And. Theophilat takes one look at the spear, one look at Basil, like the you see the, the gears turning, yeah. numbers flash up on the screen. He <laughs> realises the trajectory is straight, right, right into Basil's face. So he, he jumps, he dives in slow motion, he grabs the spear, he twists and just pulls it out of the air and saves Basil's life. That's a ridiculous story. I've completely made that up. Oh, thank goodness. All we know is that he saves Basil's life oh, okay. in battle. Uh, we don't know any more details than that. Or at least I couldn't find any more details okay. than that. Uh, but um, that's how I'm going to say it happened. Okay. Maybe enough. he just said to Basil, watch where you step. <laughs> um, and Basil was very grateful because he was about to step on a... It's some intestines. Yeah, exactly. Very slippy. Yeah. Anyway, Basil's life is saved. And uh, Theophilat, for that reason is noticed by the Emperor, and, as thanks, Theophilat is given place in the Imperial Guard. Ooh. And, for some reason, a new nickname, Theophilact the Unbearable. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Which, get the feeling his wife had already been calling him <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> no, he probably plucked that spear out the air, but he was unsufferable about it afterwards. <laughs> yes. Oh, did you see it? Did you see it? Is it? Anyway, due to this, when Theophilact's son, Romanos, was old enough... He was also given the same opportunity to join the army, because his dad's now a fairly prominent soldier. Yeah. Uh, Leo VI, the wise, is in charge at this time, and we've got very few details of Romanos's early life. Uh, we know he joins the army, so cut out all the early stuff. Right. So he's now like, a teenager, probably, approaching his 20s, yeah. and we get a story. Yay! We've got a new source this week. See if Ooh. you can spot when the new source kicks in. Okay. I'll give you a clue. This is one of the stories we get from the new source. Romanos was very poor still. I mean, the family's still poor, but they developed a bit of honour. Peasant family, yeah. Yeah, thanks to Theophilat the Unbearable's deeds. <laughs> uh, yeah, the family are considered a good family. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, whilst on campaign in the east, so that same region, the right of Anatolia, yeah, yeah. Romanus was chosen to go and spy on a caliphate camp that was nearby. Romanus? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, he's grown up now. 
Yeah, yeah. quite a big responsibility there because he's, if he's relatively new in the army. Yeah, I mean, it's not just him on his own. He's taken no. some people with him. <laughs> it's a small group, but yeah, go and see what you can find out. <laughs> it's a musical entourage. Yeah. There's, you know, the people that like drum kits on them when they move their arms, it makes a banging drum yes, kit. Exactly. He brings one of those with him. Yeah, exactly. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> You've got to keep your spirits up. Yeah. Um, anyway, whilst on the way, this group passed a large swamp. Boom, boom, and then all of a sudden, there was a sound of screaming. More animal screaming. That's more carnivorous. Uh, I think oh, no, less, less, more herbivore. Oh, you said carnivorous? Yeah, yeah yours was carnivorous. Oh, more herbivore. Okay. That will do, that will do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I quote, Romanos hearing the noise was terrified. Not because of the the scream. It clearly came from some kind of cattle or something. Yeah. Or a donkey or something. <laughs> what's making the animal make that noise is what Romanos is thinking of. Stubbed hoof. Maybe. Well, first of all, he thinks maybe it's a trick. I mean, the caliphate forces are nearby. Maybe they're messing with them. And they're known for their animal noises. Exactly. So he went cautiously to go and investigate. He soon realised, however, <laughs> after finding a half-eaten deer, that there must be a large cat nearby. <laughs> I'm... I got you. You own two cats, don't you? I do. History cat and the other one. Jog, geography cat. Geography cat. Yeah. <laughs> so I just imagine two little kittens just walking around, <laughs> savaging wildebeest. Meow. Kind of Meow. Meow. Uh, no, no. This was, by the looks of it, the work of a lion. A lion. A lion. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Don't doubt it, Jamie. I don't roll, doubt it. Roll with it. I'm, you know, even though they're not in sub-Saharan Africa, that's fine. No, that's I'll fine. roll with it. Yeah. I don't know, did you get lions in this region at this time? I don't know. Let's say yes. Yeah, why not? Romanos, not wanting to be eaten by a lion, it wasn't on his bucket list. <laughs> so he ordered the men with him to like put down all their like, symbols and <laughs> bagpipes and stuff. <laughs> and they were to pick up some Greek fire. They had one of the like siphon things with them, like the oh, big okay. bellows. And they just started indiscriminately shooting Greek fire <laughs> into the reeds, just in the hope that if there's a lion nearby, we'll flush it out. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it seems a bit overkill. And roast the cow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they spend a merry afternoon just burning down a swamp with Greek <laughs> fire. <laughs> when the flames finally burn out, they're all standing around feeling very smug with themselves. Romanos chooses one other person to go with him, and they go and start crisscrossing the marsh. See if we can go and find the burnt, charred remains of this lion, shall we? So Romanos goes forth with a sword in one hand and a cloak in the other. They found no remains. But they found no lion either. So... Swings around. Yeah, yeah. They figured that it's probably run away. And I'll quote her. And when the two fellows sat down nearby and were chatting about many things amongst themselves, the lion only heard them as it could not see because of the smoke in its eyes. And as the lion desired to spew forth onto them the rage of its spirit, which it had <laughs> conceived because of the fire, with a quick leap towards where it heard the voices, it appeared in their midst. Who the hell is this sauce? It's, it's good, isn't it? Oh, dear. It's good. Romanos viewed the lion calmly. Oh. <laughs> oh, I say. Tis a pussycat. 
Unlike... No, no, sir. No, it's really not. Well, the other man apparently started quaking in his boots, quite literally. Well, he realises he's a lion. Yeah. Romanos, and I quote again, evaluated the situation in his mind so that even if the world should fall apart, the wreckage would leave him fearless. What? Oh, yeah. Romanos is so on it. It's like, even if everything fell apart in the world, he's ready. He is on it. Always a massive pessimist. <laughs> Maybe. Romanos stood, flung his cloak at the lion in one swift movement. The lion snatched the cloak from the air, roared and ripped it into ribbons. By this time, however, Romanos had jumped round the back of the lion, and I'll quote, and struck it from behind with his sword, with all his strength, between the joints of the hindquarters. Ooh. So he, he shoved his sword up where the sun don't shine. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm reading there. <laughs> yeah. The, the lion, it's quite gruesome, uh, apparently not being able to use its um, rear joints anymore because they've just been skewered, uh, just sort of shuffles around a bit and then falls over and then slowly dies. Aww. Yeah. Romanos then went to the other man who apparently was lying on the floor gibbering to himself. <laughs> 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 Lion. Romanos apparently gave him a kick. <laughs> get up. And said, you got it, get up, you wretched and miserable one. Fear not. But he's a bloody lion. But then Romanos gestures towards the lion. His comrade in arms gets up and was amazed to <gasps> see that Romanos had taken on the lion alone. OMG. And when they got back to the camp, the tale soon spread and Romanos got a promotion. So how much crap is this story? At least 100%. <laughs> At the very least. But there's no way I'm not coming across that story no. and including it, because it's pretty good stuff. So there we go. Romanos the lion killer. The butcher of the poor innocent animals in the, the natural habitat. Well, Lion slayer, Jamie. Lion, lion slayer. slayer. Okay, yeah, sounds, right. sounds better. Yeah. It's a poor lion and it's right up its... Yeah. Up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hindquarters, that's back legs, isn't it? So it probably yeah. like chopped the you know the the tendons in its back legs and stuff. Uh, the between the joints. Yeah, the joints in the back of your knee, just like slash them. Have a look at your cat when you get home. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, I'm imagining like in its in its like Bum. yeah to get to its like um, hips kind of area. Oh, that's what okay. I'm thinking. All right, but maybe not. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm don't not know. an animal expert. He put it where the line didn't want it to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the line was not happy about it, <laughs> yes. I imagine. Anyway, you'll be pleased to know after this, Romanos rose through the ranks. Rose through the ranks. Yeah. Uh, in the Navy, interestingly. In the Navy. Yeah. Remember, recently, the Romans have started thinking, you know what, now we don't actually own the whole Mediterranean, perhaps we need to actually have a Navy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, their Navy's been pretty good recently, so mm. it's, it's definitely a place you can start making a living rather than just being seen as the rubbish army. <laughs> anyway, eventually he was in a prominent enough position that when Zoe's father-slash-uncle-slash-brother-in-law-slash-cousin, Homerius, if you remember, he failed to take back Crete. Oh, yeah. And then he got blamed, and then the patriarch Nicholas and Alexander uh, monked him, and then yeah. he got consumed by sorrow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, after all that happened, Romanos was seen as a sensible choice to take over the imperial fleet. Okay. Yeah, so he's now in charge <laughs> of the fleets. Romanus, we know how you're fantastically skilled with a sword, fantastic observational skills, wonderful lion-killing skills. You can be in charge of the navy. Yeah, you float too. Yeah, yeah. So, 
No holes in you. Yes. Yet. <laughs> well, by this time, Romanus had a wife called Theodora and several sons. We're wow. going to come across them later. Um, this is where it starts to get a bit messy, isn't it? It does. Uh, his eldest son is called Christopher, and then he's also got... We a... haven't got Emperor Chris, have we? Wait for it. Oh. So you've got Chris, and then after Chris, you've got Stephen. <laughs> Emperor Steve. Yeah, it's got Chris and Steve, and then after that... You've got Constantine, another Constantine. Uh, uh, and then after that, you've got Theophylact, the other Theophylact. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're his sons. But don't worry too much about them now. I'll, I'll mention them when and as and when they become important. Okay. But just know he's got some sons on the go. <laughs> um, anyway, things seem to be going really well for Romanos. Uh, Alexander the Drunk died after his balls exploded on a horse. Oh, ooh, Playing yeah. polo. And then the power struggle we saw last week started up between the patriarch Nicholas and Zoe. Oh, yeah. So now let's quickly go through last week's episode as a recap. If you remember, Constantine Ducas appeared and cooed big time. Like a massive pigeon. Oh, yes. But uh, Romanos oh. stayed loyal to the boy emperor and his mother. So yeah. that's the side he took. Didn't Good really man. take part in any of the cooing. Uh, then Zoe came out on top of the factional battle at the start, if you remember. Tensions then rose with the Borgars, and Zoe chose the popular general from an aristocratic family, Leophocus, to lead the armies. Yes. Meanwhile, the son of a peasant and head of the navy, Romanos, would sail north and help transport the Picenics into war. Oh, yes, so the, the secret... Yes, the secret invasion. Yes. Yes. But, as we saw, when Romanos arrived, he and their commanding officer, John Bogus, the 70s snooker player, <laughs> they had a disagreement, and we don't know what it was about. But the fact that Romanos is the son of a peasant, I can't help but feel, might have something to do with it. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, we've seen this kind of thing before. If you remember in um, our Drusus episode, yes, uh, our Roman Republic yeah, Drusus yeah. episode, we talked about the Battle of Arusio. There's no way you'll remember this. No, I'm not. I'm nodding. I'm going, I'm clear what you're on about. I remember the name Drusus. That's about it. This this was the really big battle where, like, 80, this is the top of my head, 80,000-odd soldiers died because there were two generals, one from an aristocratic family, one from a plebeian family. Right. And they just would not work with each other. Uh, the, oh. the patrician just would not work with the plebeian. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, they died horribly. Yeah, so I can't help but feel this is that kind of situation. Possibly, yeah. It wouldn't yeah. be surprising. I'll quote what happened this week. They sent out the patrician Romanos. So he's he's made patrician status at this point. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's more of a peasant boy. Yeah. So they sent the patrician Romanos with the orders to cruise the coastline. <gasps> Mediterranean party cruise. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Just one one arm casually slung on off the side of the boat. Oh, yeah. Leaning back. Cocktail in hand. Yeah. To give support... To Leo, and ferry across the Pekenics that Bogus had brought as allies for the Romans. But a difference of opinion arose between Romanos and Bogus. The Pekenics, seeing them at odds with each other, went back to their own country. Hence, the help they were supposed to have given evaporated, and was of no avail. Oh. So there we go, that's pretty much all we've got on that. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Not great, though. No. Not great. No. Now, as we saw, uh, this disappointment was followed by Leo losing the battle against Simeon, the Bulgar king, when Leo lost his horse and it went riding through with no rider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Now, 
It should be mentioned, however, I didn't mention this last week to keep the narrative flow going, but I, I'm mentioning it now. Scarlet Caesar actually gives us, unusually for him, two separate accounts of why this war went so badly. The first one I mentioned last week is the generally accepted one. Yeah. But there is also this account. So Romanos has already messed things up with the mechanics, yeah. uh, but then Leo goes in to fight the Bulgars. When Leo Focus had put Simeon to flight and was following in pursuit... A report suddenly came to his ears, announcing that Romanos of the fleet had taken the entire fleet, intending to seize the throne. Leo was thunderstruck by this report, for he too was looking for a chance to usurp the imperial power. He abandoned the pursuit and returned to camp, perhaps intending to learn what was really going on. Apparently, according to this version, it was Leo Focus's abrupt return to camp that disheartened the men. Ah. Not seeing a riderless horse, yeah. and the men lost morale, and the Borgars attacked and won. That's interesting. Which, I mean, that could be the case, but this seems less likely because that means all of a sudden, whilst in the middle of a campaign, hmm. both Romanos and Leo decide to turn back to try and usurp the throne before the other one can get back, and it just doesn't seem likely. It, it feels implausible. Yeah, but you do get the feeling that everyone was just waiting for the other person to move. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that throne is pretty good, didn't it, Leo? <laughs> yeah. Big and gold. Perhaps we should play some kind of game to mm. see who could get the throne. Some kind of game of... Of the chair. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we know that Zoe, upon hearing of the loss, blamed Romanos rather than Leo. Remember, Zoe had, yeah, uh, yeah. had several family ties with Leo. Uh, the two factions were relatively close, so she decides to blame Romanos. After all, he really did drop the ball on this He one. did a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So she orders that he be blinded. Oh, but they don't go through with it. They don't, no, because Romanos has some friends in the Imperial Court who are close to Zoe, and they just they basically pester her until she changes her mind. Don't do it, 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 don't do it. Fine, 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 fine. Promise, 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 promise. Promise. Write it down, write it down, write it down, write it down. Oh god god. Yeah, like that. Nice. Probably saying something along the lines of, it probably won't make much difference to the grand scheme of things anyway. <laughs> it's only one person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this also backs up the fact that Romanos didn't turn around to start an open revolt, because Zoe would have like executed him rather than tried to blind well, yeah, him, surely. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. very good point. So anyway, Romanos gets away with this. He gets to keep his eyes. Yay. However, by this point, Simeon had sieged the capital once more, and then given up once again, leaving Constantinople a very tense place. Now we get to the end bit of the last episode, with the different factions vying for power. So, just so it's really clear, Zoe leading the pro-little Constantine faction, Yep. they have the emperor himself and some of the palace, some of the civil service. Yep. You have Leo Focus and his brother, the Chamberlain. They're a separate faction. They have the army and the rest of the palace, because the head Chamberlain is uh, Leo Focus's brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I just said brother, didn't I? Brother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got the patriarch, Nicholas. He has the church, obviously. And then finally, you've got Romanos, who has the navy. And they're all staring at each other. <laughs> As we saw, Zoe in the weakest position attempts to get closer to Leo Focus's faction. Uh, but at this point, little Emperor Constantine and those around him, fearing Leo taking over, wrote to Romanos for help. Oh, yeah. Oh, perhaps possibly. 
Possibly, yeah. We're not really yeah. sure. Now, if Romanus hadn't been planning to usurp the throne before this, this is where the seed's planted. This is where he starts thinking he can go for this. So he receives the letter from the boy emperor, please help me, and then the scene with the boat plays out where the Chamberlain, yeah, Leo's yeah. brother-in-law, goes yeah. down, Romanos seizes him and just detains him. This turns the palace into chaos, because this is open revolt now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it played out differently to how people perhaps assumed it would. Because those in Zoe's faction, fearing that Leo has become too powerful at this point, now that Romanos is making moves, ask Nicholas for help. The Patriarch mm. enters the palace and strips Zoe of all power. Maisie has that kind of power. Well, with Zoe's faction swinging behind Nicholas, Nicholas yeah. now has the church and also a good chunk of the palace behind him. So Zoe's powerless. She just loses everything just like that. Oh dear. So that's where we left it. You've got Romanos still yeah. on his boat in charge of the fleets. Yes. Still with Leo's brother-in-law in captivity. So Romanos has got Leo's brother-in-law in captivity. Yeah. Got it. On the boat. Yes. You've got Leo in charge of the army. Yes. And you've got Nicholas in charge of the church, but also he has the emperor and right. is now in charge of the palace as well. Yes. Yeah. All the pieces are in place. Oh, yes. So how, how do you think this is going to play out then? Um, Romanus will take his boats onto land. Like, legs, they'll start, like, sprouting legs out the side, like big mechanical legs, and start walking towards War the of the Worlds kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, will Nicholas look out the window and say, yeah. no one would have believed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so so full-on invasion walking boats. That's, yeah. what, that's what you're going That's for. my prediction. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's see how close you are. I bet I'm not far off. I bet you're not far off. I mean, what, what about Leo and the army, though? Oh, screw them. Yeah, they haven't got walking boats. Walking boats, no. Yeah. They have got walking soldiers, though. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, but they're small. They are small. Yeah. It's like Star Wars style with the attack walkers compared to little people. They just stamp all over them. Fair enough. Right, okay. Oh, let's tie the legs up. <laughs> with donkeys. They could use the donkeys from the Hajj Severe. They, they, they've already trained in They're ropes. goats. They are goats. No! Sad music. Sad music. That's what we need to do right now. It's kicking what have we in done? right now. What we've done? No, someone did write, and I completely forgot to mention that uh, uh, apparently a couple of episodes ago, which because of the Scipio break is now a really yeah. long time ago, the the goats suddenly turned into donkeys for a couple of episodes. Well, it goes. And I just break. did it. Did it now? Well, yeah. No, it's fine, dear listener. I looked into it. There was a period where uh, the goats were substituted for donkeys uh, around the same time as the Nia was built, uh, just to see if they could uh, like keep up the dome well enough. Turns out they can't. They can't, no. Yeah. They're no. donkeys. No, they're donkeys. So donkeys have been retired, the goats are back. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, sad music out. Right. Back to the story. Let's find out what happened, shall we? Do we need sad music, though? <laughs> That's a good if point. If we didn't make a mistake. That's a good point. No sad music was in that section. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, shall we find out what happened, shall we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a bit distracted at the moment. <laughs> Nicholas was the first to make a move. When Leo was out of the palace, like, dealing with stuff, Nicholas had all of Leo's family physically thrown out of the palace. Really? And then declared a man named John was in charge of the army. John. John, yeah. Good strong Roman name. Good old John. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leo had been sacked. There you go. Oh. No more head of the army for you. Here's your P45. Yeah. 
There we go. Leo Focus, obviously outraged. So what's what? he? What's he do? Where's he turn? I, uh, Navy. Oh yes. <gasps> Leo. He wants, he wants to go on the walking boats. <laughs> Leo heads down to the docks. Um, <laughs> he headed to Romanos. And the two of them, I mean, they've been fighting for quite a while over who should control Zoe and little Constantine. And while they've been fighting, bloody Nicholas has walked through the back door. So they should work together, Leo says. Romanos agrees, but the pact was kept secret. It was a secret meeting between them. Romanos then sent word to Nicholas. Don't worry, Nicholas, I am loyal to the Emperor. The whole unpleasantness with the boat, with uh, the Chamberlain, was all due to Romanos being worried about Leo's designs on the boy Emperor. So, uh, how about, said Romanos, I come up to the palace and help guard the Emperor, just in case Leo tries anything. Yeah. Nicholas, however, was not born yesterday, and said, no, you stay on your boats. <laughs> You're coming nowhere near the palace. And disengage the legs. <laughs> yes. Well, Romanos, however, just decides to go for it. Without consulting Leo, oh. he takes his fleet to docks in the palace private docks. And storms the palace. Really? Those loyal in the palace to Romanos, remember he's got friends inside the palace himself, uh, just makes sure that certain doors were open. (laughs) Now, Nicholas has the clergy, and the clergy are known for sometimes uh, making a barbed comment or two. Yes. Maybe pulling a beard every now and again. But they couldn't really stand up to uh, Romanos's sailors. Pointy swords. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... Very quickly, Romanos was able to enter the palace and take it over with very little fuss. Nicholas was literally thrown out the palace and headed back to the Hagia Sophia, very disgruntled. Yeah. Meanwhile, Romanos wrote to Leo. Don't worry, you're just about to hear that I'm in charge of all the armies, because I've just put myself in charge of all the armies. (laughs) But don't worry, it's all part of the plan. Just, Just wait, don't do anything rash. In fact, I'll quote the letter here. Provision will be made for you before long. That's just like, hang on, I promise. Yeah, just, just, Leo, just wait. Just, just wait. It's going to be okay. The Chamberlain, remember, Leo's brother-in-law, was still with Romanos. Romanos hadn't given him up (laughs) just because of the secret pact. And the Chamberlain wrote a letter to his brother-in-law also saying, it's fine, don't worry, Romanos will provide for you. I am not writing this letter (laughs) under duress. Well, even Romanos... free will. Yeah, even Romanos (laughs) tricked the Chamberlain or there's a bit of arm twisting going on, we don't know. So Leo spent his time in his residence in Cappadocia and waited. He just removes himself. Get, get yeah. out of it for a bit. Meanwhile, in the capital, Romanos wasted no time. Within a few short weeks, several things had happened. Number one, Romanos's daughter, Helen, was now married to little Constantine. Daughter? He's married to little Constantine. Did Romanos have a son called Constantine? Yeah, I will not be referring to that son as Constantine for the okay. rest of the episode because it gets confusing. If I ever say Constantine, I'm talking about the emperor, the boy emperor. That's fine. Zoe's son. I was confused for a while, but yes. now everything's clear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if I say Constantine, it's little Constantine. Constantine the Purple Born, if you remember, is how he's yeah. referred to. How can we do that episode? He will. Oh. Yeah, yeah, as I say, things get a bit messy, but this is the best way of doing it, I think. Anyway, so Romanos' daughter, Helen, married to Constantine. So there you go, Romanos is now married into the royal family. He is now the father-in-law to the lawful emperor. But that was just one thing that happened. Number two, Romanos was officially named Father of the Emperor. Remember, the new title that was recently created. Nice. And then number three, Romanos' eldest son, Christopher 
was named Head of the Armies. Ooh, Leo's <laughs> not going to like that, is he? <laughs> oh, no, no, he's not. He went through the roof. Uh, literally. Uh, it was a shame. <laughs> he was never seen again. <laughs> Romanos clearly had no plan to include him whatsoever, so Leo quickly raised an army and planned on taking the throne by force. Oh, dear. In the name of little Constantine, of course. Who's already emperor. Yeah, so Leo sees that Romanos is taking over the empire oh. by stealth. Forcing little Constantine to do his bidding. I'm with you. Little Constantine didn't want to get married. He doesn't want any of this. Yeah. I will go and save the emperor, Leo says to his troops. Yeah, of course. And his troops go, yeah, no, you're right. This is Romanos usurping. Yeah. He's not killed Constantine, but he is he is usurping. He's the gentle usurper. He's pulling strings. Yes, exactly. Uh, the gentle usurper is actually a, is a phrase used to describe Romanos. Really? Yeah. Oh, because he does usurp in this very gentle way. Oh, that's nice. Um, anyway, whilst Leo was preparing, a man was brought forth in front of Leo. A priest, in fact. So just imagine Leo in his, like, camp. Yeah. In a tent in the middle of a field full of soldiers training. Yeah. Getting ready to storm Constantinople. And a priest is pulled in front of him. The priest had a letter on him. A letter signed by little Constantine, the emperor. Hmm that essentially said, Leo is a usurper. I'm very happy with Romanos as my father. I am happily married now. Please put down your arms and don't mutiny against your true emperor. Loving kisses, Constantine. So he's got a few options now. Either he's going to go, yep, fair enough, right, stand down, lads. Or he's going to go, nope, it's fate. He's been forced to write this by the gentle usurper. We need to save the emperor. And if, by any chance, the Emperor happens to die, <laughs> accidental sword strike to the temple when I'm yeah. in there, whatever, yeah. the throne just happens to be free, then I might have to, for loyalty purposes and for the good of the Roman Empire, become the Emperor. But all this is for Constantine. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you did miss a third option. He could oh. uh, chop the ears off the priest, flog him, and then destroy the letter before anyone else can see it. So what does he do? <laughs> He does the third one. He does. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. I mean, this letter was addressed to the soldiers, not to Leo. This was this was propaganda. Oh, okay. This was a letter that was meant to be passed around the troops. Ah. Yeah. So Leo nips that in the bud. There you go. That's that sorted. However, it's not long before he realizes there's still a letter circulating. There's still someone in the camp, spreading malicious rumors. <laughs> Leo tries to get to the bottom of it, but can't. In the end, it became obvious that most of his men didn't want to fight. They saw this letter and went, yeah, we we believe this. We're usurpers. We don't want to be usurpers. Yeah. We want to fight usurpers. Yeah. We love the emperor. Yeah. So, it was just as Leo realised that his forces were about to turn that an official messenger from Romanos arrived. And he spoke up and he read a second letter from little Constantine to the troops. This one's just out loud. Yeah. Our Imperial Majesty, i.e. Constantine, having found no protector to hand so distinguished and faithful as Romanos, it is to him, after God himself, that we have entrusted the task of guarding our person in place of a father. As for Leo Focus, he has always fought against our rule, has always lain in wait for it, and now openly displays his hidden animosity. 
It is now our will that he be judged to be a usurper, who has generated this uprising against our declared will. And you, our army, do you willingly perform your duty, now that you know these things? Oh. Nice. Yeah, now the troops, already half believing this due to the first letter that had been spread around the camp, were quick to turn. Leo realises his number's up, turns to flee, manages to flee, escapes yeah. for a few days, uh, but eventually was seized and blinded. Ooh. Yeah. Now, he later learnt that Romanos had managed to turn his troops away from him, not just using the priest that he had caught, but also a second person. Now, Leo had been looking for this second person, but couldn't find them. Mm. <gasps> did he have... You know when somebody puts, like, a kick-me-son on your back? Yeah. Did he have the letter on his back? Oh. And he's walking around the camp looking for somebody. But... That would be amazing. That would. But no. Oh. Apparently, it was a woman who was providing, shall we say, certain services to the men just outside the camp, was also circulating the propaganda. They're both there smoking a cigarette afterwards. Yeah, and yeah. just... Ooh, have you heard oh, about Leo? Ha have you seen? Have you seen this letter? <laughs> yeah. Um, th this woman... <laughs> I've got a letter on me somewhere. You've got to find it. <laughs> yeah, th this woman uh, returns to Romanos and becomes part of his court and is known as yeah. the Imperial afterwards. Ooh. Yeah, it's like gets a bit of a title a cool yeah, for her services. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so there you go. She helps win the war for Romanos. Mm. Meanwhile, Romanos was apparently hideously upset that Leo had been blinded. Utterly gutted he was. <laughs> yes. He had not ordered that to happen, but, uh, oh well. <laughs> what can you do, eh? Live and let die. Uh, you could try and pop the eyes back in, but, uh, no, don't do it. Oh. Jeff. <laughs> it's not helping, Jeff. <laughs> Shame, this one had been uh, trained as a surgeon and everything. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his surgery did just consist of shoving body parts back in where they'd been lost. <laughs> Yeah, didn't work very well. Anyway, it was only a few weeks later when Romanos was about to go on a hunt. A plot to kill him surfaced. <gasps> the men involved were arrested and quickly blinded also. He loves blinding people, doesn't he? Well, these men and Leo were then paraded through the streets of the capital on donkeys. The donkeys are freed up, they're not pulling Of up course, the, yes. The, yes, see. exactly. All fits. Yeah, it yeah. flows history. It does. <laughs> Anyway, not long after this, Romanos let it be known that Zoe had attempted to poison him. <laughs> yeah, remember, Zoe's still hanging around the yeah, palace. Yeah. Uh, whether Zoe had done this or not, who knows? Um, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me either way. Yeah. But uh, Zoe was shipped off to the nunnery once more and became Sister Anna yet oh. again. And there we go. That's that's her life now. By the end of the year, all of Romanos's opponents were either blinded, dead, or monked slash nunned. He's on top. Romanos was then quickly crowned Caesar and then Emperor. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nicholas placing the diadem on his head oh, in the heart of Sophia. He know he demanded that. Oh, yes. <laughs> he must have loved that. Uh, his wife, Theodora, was made Augusta. And then a couple of months after that, little Constantine, with a very fixed grin, crowned Romanos's eldest son, Christopher, co-emperor also. So there's three emperors. Oh yes, there's now three emperors. There was much discussion on who was senior emperor, and who was second, and who was third. Romanos soon made it very clear. He's senior emperor. He's the oldest. Yeah, makes sense. Now, there is a theory that it was decided at this point who was second in command. 
mm. uh, based on who had a beard and who didn't. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yes, because apparently at this time in Roman history, you came of age when you could grow a beard. Ah, yeah. So Christopher wins that one then. Christopher wins that one, definitely. Uh, so there is a chance Christopher officially goes to, uh, to second in the pecking order at this point. But as we'll see later on, it might be a different time. Uh, either way, little Constantine, not happy at all, but can't really do much. No. But just keep grinning that fixed grin. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. As you can imagine, many people still not happy. I mean... It's as fairly smooth as coups go, but it's still very much a coup. Another plot was discovered that intended to kill Romanos, so Constantine would then become the emperor. And perhaps it's here that Romanos used this as an excuse to say Christopher's now the second emperor. It's uh, a way yeah. to stop the plots. Yeah. You kill me, uh, Christopher's in charge, so you have to kill both of us. Don't kill both of us. <laughs> <laughs> but just to make sure, it's not long after this, that two of his other sons were made co-emperor as well, just for good measure. Oh, dear. So there we go. We've now got five emperors. We've not had this before, have we? N- not quite no, five. but it depends on what how you translate certain titles yeah, and what they mean. Um, the two younger brothers, so not Christopher, Yeah, yeah. that is Stephen and the other Constantine, Yeah, they're never really anything more than what would be considered Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from at one point, but we'll get to that. But uh, Christopher and little Constantine are sort of level with each other, vying for second place, and then you've got Romanos on top. Right. And it's around this time that Simeon turned up once more. Hi! Hi, I hear you're under new management. I thought I'd come along, burn down a few villages, and generally make a nuisance of myself, and then talk about those tributes again. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) The Bulgars spent quite some time, a good couple of years, just ripping apart Thrace. Several cities just uh, got got knocked around a bit. Romanos sent out a force to fight them, but it didn't go too well. Uh, Not great. Um, But then Nicholas, who's well into his 70s by this point, attempts to negotiate a peace. Remember last episode, Nicholas and Simeon tried to conspire together yeah, to get Simeon yeah. married into the royal family. Yeah. So Nicholas thinks, okay, I'll go and I'll go and talk to my old pal Simeon again. Simeon answered he'd be more than willing to talk peace, but this time he'll only talk to the emperor personally. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, Romanos was happy for this to happen. He was very much a doer, was Romanos. So, mm. okay, I'll go and see him. However, both sides were wary. I mean, where, where should they meet? That it's not going to be a trap. Can't meet in Constantinople. No. No. So. Neutral ground. Neutral ground. In the sea. On a boat. No, but you were close. Oh. On a jetty. Purpose-built jetty going out into oh. the uh, the Golden Horn. That's, oh. that's what they're going to do. It was decided this jetty would be built so it could be sailed to by both parties. And uh, possibly, although I couldn't see it confirmed, the historian Norwich mentions this. He mentions that a fence was built all the way down it, so both parties would stand either side of a fence and kind of talk over the fence. But I could not find out where um, Norwich got this from, Uh, so I can't confirm it, but, I mean, the guy knows his stuff, so I'm sure it's from somewhere. Your proof, though. (laughs) But I couldn't find the source, unfortunately, which is a shame, because I wanted details on this fence, Um, but I I couldn't find it. I did find another description of the pier, uh, that it was just like a pier with a raised platform on the end, that Simeon and Romanos could stand on and everyone would watch around. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, big pier, both parties can go there. First, Simeon arrived and his men checked all over for traps, 
trapdoors, hidden Romans, kind of thing. <laughs> Banana skins. Yeah, exactly. Everything was fine, apparently. Uh, then Romanos arrived, and he disembarked, and the two sides met. It was an interesting dynamic, because, of course, here you've got Simeon, descendant of Crom. Crom. Great Crom. Crom, yeah. uh, if I've worked this out correctly, is Simeon's great 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 grandfather. Right. It's a direct descendant. Yeah. The, the Bulgar dynasty at this point is is strong. Yeah. It goes back a long time. And don't forget, we've had Boris in this as well. He was <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah, some good strong Bulgar kings. So he, he can trace his, his royalty back a long way. Yeah. But of course, they're the Bulgars. They're a very new Christian. Yeah. Empire. And then on the other side, you've got <laughs> Romanos, the son of a peasant. Mm. You could argue he had a tougher job, though. He went from a peasant to emperor. That's yeah, yeah. Good. And of course, he's in charge of the Romans. The Roman Empire has been going on since forever. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's like, who's got the more prestige here? It's, uh, it is an interesting dynamic. But also, let's not forget, the Romans have been paying the Bulgars money to, to yeah, go away. that's true, yeah. Simeon wants them to carry on paying the money and is demanding the money. So how does Romanos get out of this without looking like he's giving up to the Bulgars? Tell ev tell everyone in the Empire it's charity. Oh, you're not too far off there. <laughs> I'll quote what Romanos is said to have said. I have heard that you are a Christian and a God-fearing man, but I see deeds that are totally incompatible with this report. If you are truly a Christian, stop these unjust slayings and this unholy bloodshed at once. For you too are a man. Death lies ahead of you, resurrection, judgment, and the reward of what you have done in life. You're here today. Tomorrow you will dissolve into dust and ashes. If it is for the love of wealth that you commit these deeds, I'll give you your fill of riches. Only, do you embrace peace and cherish concord so that you can live a peaceful life without bloodshed? And Christians can finally desist from raising weapons against each other. Massive hypocrite. <laughs> Blinding people left, right and centre and saying, you're not being a very good Christian, are you? Crumbs, great, great, great grandson. He's only blinded like four people. And he was quite <laughs> sorry about one of them. <laughs> uh, well, this speech goes down really well. Uh, Romanos was able to offer the tribute that Simeon wanted. Yeah. But in a way that made it sound like he was almost doing the Bulgars a favour. Oh. It's like, if, if you want money, we'll give you money. It's of no consequence to us. We can spare the oh, money. Make them sound like paupers. That's yeah. nice. It's like, it's fine. We understand you, Bulgars. You're only just Christian. You know, it's understandable. Life must be hard. Yeah. Like raiding. Yeah, have some money. And, and why don't you try and become good people? Was essentially how the speech came off. That's quite clever. Yeah. Now, along with some other things that greased the wheels, such yeah. as a lump sum of money and uh, certain types of fabric, etc., etc., Simeon was able to leave this a discussion feeling quite happy. Yeah. He's got the tribute, he's got some gifts. He can go home and say, Romanos gave in to me. Yes. But the Romans were able to say, no, Romanos delivered a kick-ass speech there, <laughs> so we didn't lose faith at all. So... There you go. Pretty good. Mm. There was a slight dispute when Simeon claimed that uh, he should be referred to as Emperor of the Romans and the Bulgars. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Romanos apparently took this in his stride and said Simeon could call himself the Caliph of Baghdad if he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
he would be recognised by the Romans as Caesar of the Bulgars, or Tsar yeah. of the Bulgars. We're Ooh. starting to see the word Tsar turn up Ooh. in our sources. Interesting. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, this isn't a cut-off point here no. where suddenly Tsar's being used. It's a very general thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just find it interesting that Tsar is starting to be used instead of Caesar or Caesar. Um, Kaiser. Yeah. King! Yeah. This is quite cool. Yeah. Anyway, the Bulgars head home. Um, Simeon did not attack the Romans again. He did, however, formally announce that the Bulgar Christians were now part of their own see, and therefore had their own patriarch. So Constantinople loses the Bulgars uh, as a a Christian subsection. Do you remember? They were quite pleased about getting off the west. Uh, Simeon then held his breath, probably, awaiting the Roman response. How's this going to go down? Yeah, fine. Yeah, there weren't. There was no response at all, Meh. which probably really annoyed Simeon. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. However, things did not go well for Simeon after this. He decided to attack a group of people to his west. This was an ever-growing tribe that were causing problems called the Croats. Oh, yes. Yeah. Croatia is about to be born. Ooh. Uh, or was being born in this time. It's hatching. Yes, it is. Uh, the Bulgars did not do well. This was a very mountainous region, and they got caught out of position, and Simeon lost his entire army. Oh no. Like, serious blow. It's around this time, apparently, that an astronomer appeared to the Emperor. Out of nowhere. The door opened, you saw someone scampering in, hiding his face with a cloak, and then dropped a bag of flour that puffed up, like, to the man's (laughs) knees, and then he went, I'm here! (laughs) Yeah. Little finger symbols that he was clanking. Astronomer or astrologer? Do you look at space or does he predict the future? Uh, the, The two were very much of a muchness back then. So, astrologer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he came to the emperor and he informed uh, the emperor that he had discovered, through through his learning, uh, that a statue in the city was spiritually linked to Simeon. Remember, we've come across this before with Alexander. Remember, he had the boar statue in the the drone. Yeah, put the balls on the statue, you'll get your balls back. Well, this was very much the same. I, I found the statue that is linked to Simeon. Because for some reason they started believing this at this time. In what way is it linked? Well, if you were to, for example, cut the head of that statue off, it would kill Simeon. Simeon's head would fall off. What if we stroked his nipples? (laughs) Jeff, leave. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you even in here? (laughs) Go back to the operating room. (laughs) And take your spoons with you. Well, Romanos decided, yeah, why not? What we got to lose? Decapitate the statue. So uh, the statue was decapitated. I don't know how you decapitate a statue. With a big hammer, I'm guessing. Big sword. Oh, he's made out of, yeah. Yeah, the the statue was indeed decapitated, and Simeon died that very hour. No, he didn't. No, he did. He did. No, he didn't. No, no. (laughs) This is clearly nonsense. In real life, Simeon did die of a heart attack around this time, but but obviously um, the statue was neither here nor there. However, Simeon had a uh, a son. In fact, he had a a few sons. Two stand out. One son was called Benjamin. Uh, Modern. Yeah, it's an angle that I no, Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, father. Oh well, well, Benjamin's very interesting. There is literally no reason for me to mention Benjamin whatsoever, apart from the fact that he's called Benjamin. No, no, it's better than that. Oh. This is from the same source as the lion story. Oh, yes. I'll quote: They report that Benjamin learnt magic, so you could see him quickly transform himself into a wolf. 
Benjamin was a werewolf. He, he's a werewolf. He's a werewolf. That is fantastic. Simeon's son was a werewolf. Oh! And one of his half-brothers was called Peter, and he became the Borgar king after Simeon. My figure of Benjamin's a werewolf. I'm guessing oh, he's gotta be. Peter's probably a werewolf as mm. well. It's only half-brother, though, so it might not yeah, be. Yeah, half a werewolf. Yeah. Well, yeah. would you be caught a werewolf? No. You'd be caught a wolf, though, because you're half-wolf if you're a werewolf. You'd either become half a wolf at the full moon. Yeah. Or you'd become a wolf during the half moon. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. But you're right, because it's half wolf anyway, isn't it? So you become a quarter wolf at the full moon. Yeah. Or a half wolf at the half moon. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah. So, yeah. History. <laughs> yes. Well, apparently there's um, uh, a few tales of people in Bulgaria around this time uh, being werewolves. Really? Yeah, yeah. Or shapeshifters. It does say they can turn into other animals as well, but the wolf is the, the most prominent one. We're sort um, of, well, we're not really sort of near vampiric times, are we? But well, We're not too far off. What we are near is sort of Viking saga times. Yes. I know that the, this comes up a lot in the like Icelandic sagas that Sagafin yeah. cover. Um, you definitely get a lot of shapeshifters and werewolves, and we're coming up to that time. Cool. We're getting very medieval. Yay! So, uh, yeah, we've got werewolves now. The Bulgar royal family are werewolves. Fact. Anyway, Peter, he's young, but... He became emperor with a regent named George. <laughs> Again, anglicised. Yeah, uh, George realised that to survive this regency, uh, he's going to need to make sure things are okay with the Romans. I mean, they've just lost their entire army and their king, who have been <laughs> king for a long time. You know all this money being enough, so you can stop now. Well, many of the tribes around the Bulgars were not happy that they'd been kicked around by the Bulgars for quite some time, and they wanted revenge. Yeah. And let alone the internal disputes that were also kicking off. So envoys were sent to Romanos. Things went well, in fact. Mm, good. In fact, George himself was invited to visit Romanos. It was decided that the Romans and the Bulgars could indeed become allies. And in fact, a marriage should be set to seal the deal. Mm. Then we get a creepy scene where <laughs> uh, Emperor Christopher's daughter... Yeah. So, quite young. Yeah. Yeah. She's brought out, and apparently all the old men look at her and agree that she is a child of, I quote, outstanding beauty. Uh, bit creepy. A little bit. Uh, so impressed they were by uh, Christopher's daughter, named Maria, that they wrote to Peter and told him to come right away. <laughs> I mean, seriously, co come right away. There's a... There's a Check Roman princess. This. Check out this totty. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they're about similar age, so fortunately that's not too bad. That's all right, yeah. Yeah, uh, they're both young, though. Uh, Romanos met the Bulgar king and embraced him. The wedding was set up. Three days of celebrations occurred. There was one small scene where the Bulgars insisted that Christopher, so the new yeah. father-in-law of the Bulgar king, yeah. uh, be acclaimed before Little Constantine. Little Constantine, by the way, is less little by now. Yeah, it's probably in his 50s, isn't he? <laughs> Early 20s. Early 20s. So if this hadn't happened earlier, this is where Constantine was formally named third in line and Christopher's elevated. Yeah, I'm with you. Anyway, Maria's name has changed to Irene, meaning peace. Peace between the Romans and the Bulgars. Uh, anyway, with things with the Bulgars finally put down, Romanus was able to look east. A lot of the right side of Anatolia, where Romanus is from, remember, is now de facto under caliphate rule. Hmm. Things have fallen apart slightly there. So Romanus wants to defend it. So in 926, the army under a man named John Caucus had several successful campaigns, and then, a year later, in 927, he managed to take the main city of the area, Melantine. Now, the emir in charge 
of this city was forced to surrender the city and accept a Roman garrison. Hmm. Uh, so they hadn't fully taken it over, but they kind of started to settle yeah. the area. Cocos then spent some time cleaning up the area generally. He managed to get, uh, he managed to link up with Ashot in Armenia. Remember, he was the guy last week who could bend iron bars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah really impressed, yeah. Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. So the region was pretty much fully Roman once more. Hmm. Almost all of Anatolia was now theirs. They'd made some genuine gains here. Hmm. This was really good. And then the famine hit. Oh. Oh, yes. In fact, I quote, The same month, an intolerable winter hit. The earth was frozen for 120 days. Gosh. A cruel famine followed the winter, worse than any previous famine. So many people died from the famine that the living were insufficient to bury the dead. Wow. Yeah. That sounds dramatic. Now, whether this is literally the worst famine in Roman history is debatable. <laughs> Weather. Um, it's very hard to judge these things, but I did do a little bit of looking into it, and it definitely does appear to be the worst famine in Roman history if you take out the famines caused by plague, yeah, uh, where lots of people were also dying yeah. of the plague. Mm. Uh, for just straight-up food shortages, this mm. was a big one. Yeah. yeah, a significant percentage of the population starved to death. Romanos did what he could. He ordered the treasury be opened and be used to pay for food for the poor. Likewise, he leaned heavily on the church to give food to the poor. <laughs> give out those wafers. Yeah. <laughs> However, it this wasn't really enough. Many died because also, the, if there's a famine, that means there's no money to even no food to buy. So yes, exactly. I mean, there's, there's only so much quality. you can buy. It, it was tough times. Bodies piling up in the streets yet again. Also during this time, and we'll see the repercussions of the, this as we go on, uh, the rich of the city were able to acquire more land because the poor start selling up everything they've got just to afford food. So the rich were able to start really just hoarding the wealth. So those uh, families that we've started to notice become even more rich and powerful. Mm, that's going to... Yeah. Cause a bit of social problems, I feel. Yeah, anyway, eventually the famine recedes, but Romanos was weakened, and many of the gains he had made in the east were gone. His general John Caucus heads out again, uh, and for the best part of five years, there's fighting between the local emirs and, and the Romans, with Armenia, as ever, sort of finding itself in the middle, yeah. and uh, toing and throwing. By 932, John Caucus had taken back most of what he'd lost. It took a while, but those gains he got earlier, he's got them back. <laughs> But then he was distracted when Romanos sent him word. A man named Basil was claiming to be Constantine Ducas. What? Yeah. There's a man named Basil claiming to be Constantine Ducas. He was in the Obsidian theme and he was starting to revolt. But your name's Basil. <laughs> yeah. You're not even a good liar, sir. <laughs> Well, I mean, the letter told John Caucus that Basil had already been captured once by his own men when he first started revolting and brought to the palace, and Romanos had cut one of the man's hands off Ooh. as punishment, and then he had been released. But Basil was not a man to get a subtle hint, such <laughs> as the removal of a hand, so he made a bronze hand for himself. Yeah, we're full on Game of Thrones here. Uh, and was now, and I quote here, stalking around the Epsilon theme, deluding the simpler folk that he was Ducas. He's got a bronze hand. See, you'd, you'd need different hand shapes, wouldn't you, for different things? <laughs> if you were really annoyed with someone, for example. Yeah, yes. <laughs> or, or, or wanted or a bit was, of me time. Yeah, or was stuffing hand. your chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
versatile hand, that one. Yes. <laughs> In fact, you need more than that. Maybe you just have that hand. Yeah, that's true. My wife passed me the chicken stuffer. <laughs> so Romanos, therefore, had sent word for his top general, get back, deal with this one-handed maniac. It did not take long for John Gorgas to wipe out the revolt, but it did mean that he had to halt the advances he was making in the East, yeah. which was a shame. Meanwhile, back in the capital, Christopher had suddenly died. I don't know. Yeah. Romanos apparently wept bitterly that his eldest son and heir was dead. Not obvious reasons, uh, his son's dead, very upsetting. But also, this scuppered his dynastic plans. Yeah. Yeah, Constantine was heir once more, and there is some evidence to suggest the fact that Romanos did not think too much of his two younger sons. <laughs> they were both idiots. Yeah. Both called Jeff. <laughs> they hung around with Jeff a lot. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, still... Romanos carried on with his plans for his family because Romanos had plans for his youngest son. This is, if you remember, Theophylact. Oh, yeah. Theophylact, by this point, was 16 years old and obsessed with horses. <laughs> uh, Theophylact apparently owned 2,000 horses by That's this point. That's ridiculous. You don't need that many horses. You can't <laughs> ride them all at the same time. <laughs> you really can't. Um, and he fed them... Dates, figs, pistachio nuts, and sweet wine. That would go right through them. Oh, yeah. Uh, this isn't long after the famine. Ooh. Yeah, there were many dark mutterings about how these horses were being fed better than most citizens in the empire. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, Romanos wanted his son to be patriarch. Oh. Because that way he can control the church. Now, the current patriarch was a man named Trifon which is a good name. Tryphon. Yeah. Now, Tryphon had agreed to take over from Nicholas because Nicholas had died a few years previously. Oh, okay. Yes. And when Nicholas had died, Theophylact was a bit too young. Yeah, yeah. So, Romanos had put Tryphon in and said, as soon as my son's old enough, you step aside. Is that all right? And Tryphon went, yeah, sounds good to me. However... Yeah, however, now now push came to shove, Tryphon really didn't want to give up his position. Mm. He quite liked being patriarch. So, Skylitzi's reports a quite frankly ridiculous story <laughs> of how Romanos plotted to depose the patriarch. So, hang on, take a wild stab in the dark. If you're Romanos, how do you get rid of the patriarch? Where, where would he live? Uh, in his house. Let's say he lives in a giant birdcage suspended in the Hajj Sophia. Okay, haunted birdcage. You just pretend it's haunted until he runs away. Well, you, you send guards in with white sheets and that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is possibly as realistic as the story you're about to hear. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Romanos had a man inside the church, and he had this man sort of cosy up to Trifon, get into his confidence. This spy was able to convince Trifon that he was on his side, and then whispered into Trifon's ear. And I will quote, Lord and Master, the Emperor's attacks on you are multiplying. He is seeking reasons for expelling you from the Patriarchy. But much as he tries, none does he find. How indeed could he find fault with one without fault? There is, however, one point that they allege, those that would see you deposed. They claim that you do not know how to write. If we could refute that point, it would silence your accusers. If you will take my advice, 
You will inscribe your name and priestly rank on this fresh leaf, this in the presence of the entire Synod, and then send that to the Emperor. This way he will be convinced, and being disappointed in his hope, he will abandon the, his assault on your position. So he's trying to fire him based on the fact he can't write. Yeah, so... He's illiterate. Yeah, to prove him wrong, write your name at the bottom of this blank piece of paper. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't. that didn't click. Did it not? I was reading oh. this and halfway through it, it, it clicked and I went, no, surely he's not doing that. I kept on reading, going, please be doing that, please be doing that. <laughs> so he, he was like literally given a scroll that's mostly rolled down, <laughs> apart from the bottom bit. No, no, it was a blank piece of paper. Okay. Blank blank leaf of paper. Just just sign, sir, near that black skull. <laughs> well, Trifon thought that this was a splendid idea. I'll carry on the quote. So there. did I until... <laughs> <laughs> you would have gone for it, would you? I would have, yeah. Happily. Pass me that blank check as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why I'm being dragged out of my bed at three in the morning towards the gallows. <laughs> well, yeah, Trifon, like I say, he thinks it's a good idea. And he calls the Synod and they all sit around and he pulls out his quill, I imagine with an amazing flourish, gets his best ink out and says the following. Sacred fellow ministers, those who wish to eject me from the throne unfairly have contrived in many ways to find good reasons for ostracizing me, but have found none. Finally, they have brought this charge against me that I cannot write. So now, before the eyes of you all, I'm going to inscribe these letters for my accusers to see and know, hence to abandon their unjust harassment of me. So yeah, he then writes his name with a flourish, and his rank. Romanos received the blank sheet of paper not long afterwards. <laughs> Big smile on his face. Oh yes. Very simply, a fixed a resignation letter <laughs> to the front of it, and then published it. Just sent it off to everyone who needed to see it. There you go. He's resigned and he's put his name to it. <laughs> That's very funny. There was little Trifon could do. I mean, it was ridiculous. I could, you all watched me sign my own, and that was... But he didn't have the support. Oh. Oh. And there was, a, there was the paperwork now. Oh. So there you go. Uh, Theophylact, the 16-year-old boy, was now made patriarch. Hmm. Meanwhile... John Kirkus, uh, he's still in the east, fighting in the right-hand side of Anatolia, trying to really cement those gains yeah. that they got earlier. He manages to take the city of Melantine once more. This time the region was fully taken over. Instead of a garrison, the city was taken fully. Oh. The citizens were converted from Islam to Christianity and then spread around. Uh, the, uh, literally? <laughs> no, not, hopefully not. Um, but yeah, the, this is taking back the city. This is yeah. redrawing the map. Oh. Yeah. However, it was about this time that John Caucus met his match. Because suddenly, the caliphate started to really pay attention. And they sent a man who was the emir of Mosul, a man named Saif, the sword of the empire. Oh, that's a nickname you want, isn't it? Oh, that is a good name. Yeah. Uh, he came to, to counterattack. John Caucus suddenly found himself on the defensive. Uh, Scythe was damn good. John Caucus was uh, struggling for a while. Things looked bad when Armenia surrendered to Scythe, and then one by one, principalities that had recently surrendered to the Romans went back to the caliphate now that there was someone actually around to defend them. Mm. It was while this fight was hotting up, and it looked like it could go either way, you got two decent generals in the area, that suddenly the alarm was sounded. Yeah. 
For the second time, Viking longboats were spotted <gasps> on the Black Sea. Oh, so cool! Oh, yes. Just as 81 years before, this was the Rus, a loose federation of Eastern Slavic and Finnic people under the rule of a Varangian or a Viking dynasty. Right. Now, this is debatable. Uh, it's not as cut and dry as that, and it's all very complex, and... Uh, We'd have to talk to some more Viking experts, I think, if we want to get more information on this. I think we're free around January time, aren't we? Possibly, possibly. But yeah, all we need to know for now, until we find out more, Vikings, Jamie. Vikings Vikings are on the way. Yes. Uh, Since the last raid, they'd moved their capital to Kiev. Kiev, in my head, is just very east, because I have a very British-centric view of... Yeah. Europe. <laughs> yeah. But if you look on a map and think of being in Constantinople, mm. Kiev is very much from Constantinople, go directly north across the Black Sea, and then go as far again over land. That's where Kiev is. Okay. So that's I, not far. Yeah, you're really not too far. You're in a similar sort of region. So trade between the Rus and the Romans had increased significantly in recent times. Uh, occasionally, trade disputes had led to small-scale skirmishes between the two states. They were very much aware of each other. Yeah. This wasn't like out the blue, who are these hairy men? But what was sailing over the Black Sea now was a full-blown invasion. The sources talk of 10,000 ships. 10,000? Obviously, this is hugely inflated. Uh, of trees. But it was a lot of ships. Yeah. Uh, put it this way, you, you know the ridiculous source uh, with the yeah, lion and yeah, the werewolf? Yeah. That source says there was only 1,000. So, wow. Yeah, if that source says 1,000, I think we can safely say it's closer to 1,000. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> uh, but uh, Romanos despaired. Because his best general was in the east, Mm. and his navy was currently in Italy dealing with some problems with their holdings there. Remember, they do still have some land in the south of Italy. So he's got no navy, he's got no army, and those Vikings are coming. Bugger. So messages were sent out. Get hurry, back. hurry, 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 yes. hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> Meanwhile, Romanus ordered all ships that could be converted and made to fight. Fortunately, they had some old warships that they were about to be scrapped. Yeah. But hadn't actually been scrapped yet. I mean, they were literally being lined up. <laughs> Guy with a tanker of crude oil and a match ready to yeah. go. <laughs> He's there just standing with yep. the match in his hand. Yeah, they'd ask, Freshly lit. They'd ask Jeff to do it. Oh, uh, oh God. <laughs> and he's just about to drop the match. And yeah. fortunately for the Romans and for Jeff, uh, someone <laughs> snatches the match out of his hand. Not yet. He's standing on the boat at the time, isn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> he's right in the middle of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's they, they've got these boats that are hastily done up because they're a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, hazard a guess how many they've got? Four. Uh, better than that, 15. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's still pathetically weak. It's still pathetically weak. Fortunately for Romanos, King Igor... Oh. oh, yeah. ...of the Rus was taking his time coming to them. It was actually the Bulgars who had first spotted them and sent word yeah. to Constantinople. So the King Igor was taking his time, doing lots of plundering on the way. Igor or Igor? Uh, either. Mm. Whichever, whichever you fancied. Okay. I imagine. Igor sounds more British, so... We I- shall say that. Igor... I go, yes. Oh, do you? Oh, yes, I do. When I plunder. Uh, <laughs> I pretend I'm a bull. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> very polite Vikings. Yeah, I mean, the, the delay was fortunate for uh, Romanos, but it wasn't fortunate for the people being plundered en route. No. No, that wasn't good. Uh, reports of citizens being tied up to trees and being used as target practice soon came back. 
That's um, not pleasant. No, uh, monks would have nails hammered through their heads. Oh, no. Yeah. No, absolutely not. No, apparently so. Oh. This will sting, briefly. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly sorry. <laughs> yeah, so... um. Romanos did what he could in the time he got. He placed a commander named Theophanes in charge of his pathetic fleet. <laughs> uh, and they set off to the entrance to the Black Sea. So, you know, just, just where it squeezes in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they just hover there. King Igor's going to have to come through them. Yeah, There's the not many of, them. of the Black Sea. Yes, exactly. At last, the Rus arrived. I quote, King Igor saw them floating on the sea and ordered his army to take the crews alive. <laughs> like we don't need to fight this lot this is pathetic let's get some slaves Theophanes however in charge of the pathetic fleet waited and waited he was not drawn out he waited until the Viking fleet was almost upon them and it was then that Igor and the Rus would have come face to face for the first time with the Roman secret weapon that had saved them so many times in the past against the Persians and the Caliphate. Greek fire. Oh, yes. Hot, burny stuff. Because when Romanos had ordered the pathetic fleet to be built, he had told the shipwrights, and I quote, Starting without delay, prepare the warships, but place contraptions from which fire is shot, not just on the bow, but also the stern and both sides of the ship. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like quadruple up how we usually yeah. use this stuff. We need <laughs> we need fire squirting out all ends <laughs> of our ships. <laughs> and then Jeff goes to get a curry. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, I mean, the, these Viking longboats start surrounding the Roman ships, yeah. and suddenly they start spewing out fire. What the hell? I'll quote... Placed in the midst of the Russians, they cast their fire all about. As soon as the Russians observed this, they cast themselves quickly from their ships into the sea and chose to be submerged by the waves rather than be burnt by the fire. Fair. <laughs> Others, however, burdened by breastplates and helmets, sought out the bottom of the sea, never to be seen again. Oh, that's very dark. While several, swimming between the waves of the sea, were burned. Oh. Of course, this stuff floats on water. Oh, it so does, So they're yeah. trying to swim away. They ended up swimming through fire. And on that day, no one escaped who did not free himself by fleeing to the shore. Of course, Igor only managed to escape because longboats can, quite famously, go where other boats cannot. Mm. So they were able to escape into the shallower waters. But there was a lot of damage done. Yeah. Igor landed and started raiding the countryside for supplies. I mean, they're, they're in dire straits here. Leaving John Caucus enough time to arrive with the army. Yay! Yay. And beat back the invasion. Igor had had enough by this point. <laughs> so ordered everyone back on the boats. Theophanes once more attacked on sea, so a second battle took place and managed to chase the Vikings away. The city was saved. That is impressive. I oh, like yes. That. For now. Yeah. Romanos knew Igor would be back, and sure enough, three years later, word came of another fleet entering the Black Sea, just as dangerous as the last. This time Romanos was prepared, however. What do you think he does? Metal boats. <laughs> no, that would oh. be impressive. He sent envoys to negotiate a peace with Igor before any fighting could start. Oh, uh, makes sense. It was a very good peace offer. Full trade rights were nailed down, along with some other issues that caused friction between the two states. <laughs> you killing us! <laughs> well, such as what could be done to citizens of each state if they committed a crime in the other state. Oh, that's interesting. Um, 
and also there was a rule put in place that no more than 50 of the Rus were allowed to enter Constantinople at a time. <laughs> so you can't sneak your men in to try and uh, attack us secretly. Yeah, so things like that, but... That's really interesting, like, things you wouldn't consider. Yeah. Because like, that's sort of what countries do now, isn't it? Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Both Igor and Romanos came out of the meeting feeling very happy with themselves, and uh, they should have been. Both could legitimately say mm. this was a good deal. Uh, trade between the two states flourished for quite some time, and there was peace. Between... get a good deal. That's <laughs> exactly how they spoke, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that's good. Nice. Meanwhile, John Kirkus had rushed back to the east to check on all his hard work. Remember, the sword of the Empire was systematically taking apart his his gains, and he'd have to come back to deal with the bloody Vikings. (laughs) To his amazement, everything was still intact. Oh, thank goodness. Because by a huge stroke of luck, all the troubles with the Rus had kicked off at roughly the same time as the Abbasid Caliphate finally starting to utterly fall apart internally. And Saif was forced to rush back to Baghdad. Now, there's no time to go into details in this, but it is interesting and important, so I will briefly sum this up. Yeah. Uh, The Abbasid Caliphate that we've been talking about for quite some time here found that their empire was just too large to rule from Uh, Baghdad. Yeah. Very much like the Romans had found. Yes. And it had slowly been falling apart for the last 150 years. The caliphate slowly gave up power to provinces, which, again, slowly became more and more independent. Yeah. Now, we've already seen in previous episodes in the early 800s, the Aglubids took control of the old African province and then took Sicily. Not long after this, a couple of large regions in modern Iran and Afghanistan mm. also became independent. Okay. And were completely lost by the 880s. More recently, the region that Romanos and John Caucus had been fighting over is not fully in direct control of the caliphate. Although, as you saw, Saif does come along to offer help. Yeah. But then, in the 940s, a Persian faction within the capital, Baghdad, managed to overtake the bureaucracy of the capital. All right. Which I'm sure really pleased them. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All brought along bags of red tape. <laughs> Uh, when this happened, it was when Saif had to rush back to deal with it. Yeah. So, uh, civil strife going on in the caliphate, uh, and it won't be long before the Abbasids fall apart, and the next one comes along, the Fatimids. Okay. But we'll, we'll go into that when it happens. Anyway, John Caucus, therefore, was able to take advantage of this, and was able to take back the right of Anatolia completely once more, and then raid deep into Syria. Deep. Oh, yeah. We're, we're talking, like, old land Ooh. the Romans used to have. Oh. We're getting, like, beyond Antioch and stuff. It's like, Roger must be having a field day. So I remember this. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, doesn't take any land, but there's some good raids going on. <laughs> good high-quality raids. Yeah. He managed to take many prisoners and so many riches that eventually he was called back to the capital to be praised. <laughs> Come back, come back. Three months journey back. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Off you go. (laughs) Yeah, well, this was either Romanos bringing back his best general to genuinely praise him, or there's a chance that by this point Romanos was a bit too ill, and his two sons uh, were starting to take over the power, and they did not like John Caucus. 
they did not like him one bit. Because Romanos had started talking about marrying Constantine's son, little Constantine now had a son, he's quite okay. a bit older now, who's also called Romanos, by the way. No. You might want to put a box around him. Uh, yeah, start that sentence again, though, to make it clear. So Romanos starts to think about marrying Constantine's son, so his own grandson, to John Caucasus's daughter. Oh. Yeah, this completely cuts out Romanos's two actual sons. Naughty. So they're not happy. So there was um, suggestion that John Caucasus is actually brought back to the capital to stop him getting any more glory, because a new general replaces him and doesn't do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's not long after this that Romanos gets ill. The two sons soon realise that this is the opportunity they've been waiting for, and they make their move. When Romanos was in his sickbed, his son Stephen sent in some men into the room where Romanos was lying. To give him a get well card. They don't. What do you think they do? Get him to sign something. No. Abdication thing. Oh, you're on the right lines. They like, don't sign this him. blank piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, they physically drag him from his bed and down to the docks. From there, he is taken to the Isle of Princes. Remember the small island? Oh, not the, too far away. Where you get um, left. Yeah. Uh, and he was monked. Oh, okay. So there you go. Romanos is now monked on an island. And we're just going to leave the details here, because we now have Constantine, the rightful emperor, but we also have Romanos's two sons, Stephen and the other Constantine, and all of them are vying for power. Oh dear. Are they all going to get an episode? The other Constantine, definitely not. No. It is debatable whether I should give Stephen an episode, but if I do, it will literally be for five minutes at the start of Constantine's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because probably not giving too much away, but... Um, it yeah, didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think Stephen needs an episode, to be honest. Okay. You'll see the reasons why next okay. episode. I think right. Constantine the Purpleborn will be the next emperor. Okay. But for now, Romanos is in the monastery on the Isle of Princes. He dies four years later, but I won't go into anything else that happens because I don't want to ruin it. Okay. So there you go. That's Romanos. Oh. Did all right, actually, didn't he? It's not bad. Pretty good story. Action packed. Covered a lot. Yeah. I enjoyed researching him. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Let's rate him. Fightius Maximus. Okay, he puts an end to the wars with Bulgaria. Yeah. I mean, he does lose some fighting to Bulgaria, but ultimately he does win the war, or at least puts an end to the war. Yeah. Was it very fighty, though? Was it more negotiating? He's more negotiating, yeah. I'd say, than fighty. He, like you say, he lost the fight. But, I mean, what you can't argue is that he takes a sizable chunk of land from the caliphate. A very weakened caliphate, but still he's getting land yeah, back. He's getting, he is expanding the empire on a map, and we've not seen that for quite no. some time. Well, it's a bit yo-yo-y for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. But this is good. This is yeah. good. Taking back land. Um, then he also defends from the Viking attack. Oh, yeah, and that's, that that's, was... That's with, with a very diminished army. No, yeah, yeah. no navy... Yeah. No army, nothing. Yeah. Just like a few fishing boats with awesome fire-spurting devices. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Armenia was brought under Roman control once more because they briefly lost it, but they managed to get it back. And everyone loves Armenia. Oh, yes. Uh, the raids into Syria. Mm-hmm. Flexing some muscle there. Um, and some fighting in Italy that I didn't really get into, but it's not huge in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but just know there are some things mm. going on in the West. So, pretty good. Yeah, he's doing all right. Um, bad. He's definitely more negotiate than fighty at many times, but... Oh, it's only bad for the round. I mean, yeah, realistically, yeah. it's actually a really good thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. For successes, <laughs> there'll be scoring points there. But yeah. judging him on his fighting, it's pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty <gasps> good. 
we forgot something. What? The lion. He did take on the lion. You're right. That's a bonus point, at yeah. least right there. I was thinking seven, but I might go to eight. <laughs> I'm going to keep it seven, because I think there are many emperors that have done more. That we you're right. Seven you're to. right. Okay. I, th- I, think, I think five or a six for me. Well, I definitely want to give a bonus point for the lion, so I'll only give him six. I'll, give him, I'll match to the six, then. That can bump up to seven. <laughs> you're giving seven? Bonus point for the lion, yeah. Oh, you're giving seven? Oh, yeah. that's a uh, 13. Okay, next round. Acrobium crazy. He loved taking out people's eyes, didn't he? Did he, though? He did do some blindings. I'll give him that. Yeah. If you'd blinded that many people, I'd I'd have words with you. I'd probably <laughs> pull you to one side at a party and say, look, Jamie. Getting a bit out of hand. It is. <laughs> I mean, you're keeping them in a jar and everything. Like, just cut out the blindings, all right? Um, Fine. But... Whenever someone did something bad, he didn't really kill them. If we look at this compared to some others, he didn't kill Leo Focus. No. When he could have done. He didn't kill Constantine when no. he usurped. He didn't even kill Basil. He just chopped his hand off when he usurped. That's a very good point, you know. Compare him to other usurpers we've had recently, such as Basil One, the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he just came in and he killed everyone who stood in his path. Mm. But That's a very good point, actually. And you call him the gentle usurper. I think that's yeah. very accurate. Right? Yeah, exactly. He he is very mild-mannered. And when people are attacking him, his first thought is, how can we talk our way out of this? Right. Yeah, because that implies he's more of a, rather than, he doesn't act on impulse, he's... No more relaxed he's more I mean he's thoughtful. he's willing to send out the troops he's got a good general who mm. knows what he's doing and he sends him out and fighting is done but only when you feel it's necessary yeah so I, I just don't think he's very crazy I'll give Not him a couple of points for ripping some people's eyes out I'll uh, give him one for that but that's about it I'm gonna give two I mean he didn't he, he blinded at least four people he chopped the head of a statue off that was the weird astrology guy there wasn't yeah, it yeah that was weird yeah two okay. I'm sticking with that total of three then Success ultimate. Pretty good, I think. Mm. The empire expanded. Despite harsh conditions, the economy continued. There was a literal plague of locusts that I didn't mention. Oh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, it more hit Bulgaria, um, but it had a knock-on effect. Uh, just generally crops and stuff yeah, uh, being gonna, destroyed. Yeah. And then, of course, the famine of 927 as well. I mean, both of these things damaged the economy. They're sort of acts of gods, aren't they? There's not sort of a... Uh, well, yeah, exactly. But Romanos does what he can to um, try and counteract it. I, as I said earlier, this led to rich families starting to dominate even more. Yeah. But Romanos pushes this. He puts into law that the rich could not inherit land off the poor. Okay. Inherit or buy? Inherit. So if okay. some, a poor person's died and um, as a way of alleviating debts, uh, uh, they leave their land to the the rich family nearby. Romano says, no, no, this isn't on. We're, we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Screw that poor family and their poor widow. Let them starve. They don't need any more money. <laughs> they need a bigger garden, damn it. <laughs> well, he, he's he's worried that these families are going to become too powerful. Yeah, uh, And he's got a point. <laughs> uh, in general, I mean, there's a, a good few laws or novels he brings in that are really designed to help the poor do better once everything had gone a bit rubbish. So, I mean, he does that. It's good. Um, what, a, what a lefty socialist he is. <laughs> uh, he kept the church unified 
after the scandal, oh, admittedly, yeah, yeah. of his uh, son becoming the patriarch. But he rules for a good long time. And when was the last time we had an episode where the church wasn't dominating things? Good uh, point. And the church go quiet. Hmm. There's no schisms. There's no patriarchs hmm. murdering each other or pulling beards. No, no. It's, it just goes a bit quiet on the religious front. And that's got to be a relief for everyone all around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything's tickety-boo. Yeah. Uh, all in all, having a stable empire for a quarter of a century is a good thing. Kind of giving away the tempo completo, but I think it's important in this round that we understand that he rules for 25 years. That's a long time. That is, that is a to yes, keep things quarter of a century. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. What do you think? I, th I think he's definitely above the five. Easily, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm debating whether to be a six or a seven. I think that's the thing, though, because sort of, because the times have changed, the the world is different now. We almost have to score it differently. Although we might give him a score of an eight or a seven, that wouldn't equate to an emperor who got eight and a seven and say in the series one. Why? What do you think they did better? Well, in terms, of, you know, just basically expanding the empire massively. Uh, but don't. Don't or the massive the... reforms that, say, Diocletian did, or... There is that, yeah, which is why I'm not in the top bracket. But I remember yeah. you saying before, it's it's about, if you lived in the empire, would you be happy that this person was your emperor? Oh, that's a fair point, yeah. Uh, it, it's not about lines on a map. It's, no. if you're a Roman at this time, are you happy with your Roman emperor? I think most people would have been fairly happy at this time. Apart from lack of food, yeah. Apart from lack of food, and, and the terrified of the Vikings putting nails through your head, and... yeah. But, I mean, that's not Romanus's fault. <laughs> and he does what he can no. to stop it. Yeah, I love my emperor, damn it. Okay, seven. Yeah, no, I'm going to go for seven as well. I think he's pretty good. Fourteen. Image of Okay, what's he look like? He's got a beard. He's got a beard. It's very beardy at the moment. I think a stern looking. I think quite a big beard. Not massive, but... Big. Yeah, almost. And bald as well. That's what I think. But like Ming the Merciless. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm going to show you the coin. Um, there was another coin that I didn't include because it looked like pretty much every other one we've had yeah. recently. It's gold. It looks like a generic bearded person. This one looks a bit different, though. So I went for it. The image of him is really small on it, so it's hard to judge. But it's different. So there okay. you go. Oh, he looks stern. He does. So it's the coin, but then in the coin, there's a tiny circle near the yeah. top with his face in. That looks like a Lego figure. He does. Square head. Square shoulders. You can kind of make out the beard and the tash. Big long nose. Yeah. He yeah, looks I'm, serious, doesn't he? He does look serious. Uh, it, it's, it is nothing amazing. Um, that's what you get when you get a coin. Yeah. Uh, four? Yeah, I match that. That is two for Mojo Facius, right? Temple completed. Go on, see if you can guess how long he lasted for. <laughs> uh, 37 years. Well, actually, it's debatable. Um, I know I just said 25 years, <sighs> but... If we go from when he was crowned in 919 to yeah. when he was deposed in 944, 25 years. Hmm. But we could go from 917, which is when he led the coup. He left it two years before crowning himself. But he was very much in charge. He just left it long enough that hmm. he was he would get away with crowning himself. I, I'd be tempted to go for the, the 917 on then. Because that's when he officially is emperor. No, rather no, the than 919 is the official. 919, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. sorry. So you want to go for the official date? Yes. Okay, fair enough, I'm happy. I, I would have been happy either one. Let's go for 25 years then. That divided by 8. That gives him a score of 3.13. So his total score... 
That gives him a score of 35.13. That's not bad, mid-30s. Yeah, that's actually really good. Good, solid Emperor. Really good. Yeah, if he's no. a bit more crazy, he may, uh, may have hit the 40 club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but does he have it? Do they have a certain je ne sais Oh, I think we've got a conversation here. Yeah, I think so. I really, I genuinely, and this very rarely happens, I don't know which way to go. I, I really like the story. I'm loving the details that are starting to come out. Yeah. Um, he's just not known at all. No. Um, but he's got a lion story. He fights back the Vikings. He um, beats the, the Bulgars. Um, he gets land back off the You've the got caliphate. all the, the Game of Thrones stuff going on with the factional <laughs> fighting. Yeah. There's a lot of really interesting and stuff going on. And the brilliant coup as well. Yeah, yeah. All of it is genuinely interesting. This is fast becoming one of my favourite periods of Roman history uh, because it's just lots of interesting stuff's happening. And looking at the list as well with fighty and success, there aren't many negatives. Yeah. And yeah. any negatives that are there are due to things you can't control. He didn't He didn't make mistakes. Big no. mistakes. No, he didn't. But saying all of that, I don't know if I'd mention him if someone said, tell me about a Roman emperor. Well, he wouldn't talk about the, the lion-fighting emperor. <sighs> Claudius had the killer whales. Yeah, but if I'm talking emperors and lions, I'm going Caracalla. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The The fight scene was good. And, the Vi- and you could talk about the Vikings as well. You can. I, I, th- I You know, the first real fight with the Vikings. I've been leaning more towards yes since about halfway through the episode. Since I genuinely can't call this one and you want it, I'm willing to go along with it. You're going to give it to me? Yeah, I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, so, so he gets Jenny Caesar. He gets Jenny Caesar. Well done, Romanos. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Damn straight. Right, okay, so next time we get to learn about what happens with his two sons and Constantine the Purple Born. So I'm interested about him. I, yeah. I'm interested in him. Well, we've got to go all the way back to the start of Zoe's episode, of course. Because yes. that's... Uh, Relive that's, that all again. Yeah. Um, it's mainly him sitting in a room weeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there you go. Right. Mm. Thank you very much for listening. But before we go, of course... We've got the big thing to talk about. The big reveal. The chairs. Right. We have done no prep for this whatsoever. No. So we're going to check through the names and decide what we like. Yeah. What makes us laugh the most? Okay, so let, let's just read some out and then okay. we'll, uh, we'll we'll decide what we're going to call the chairs. So um, we've got Christopher Finch uh, going for my chair being called Robulus and uh, Jamie's chair becoming Jamus, a play on Rom- Romulus and Remus. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, we've got Liam, Liam Randalls Martin, uh, Michael for Rob's chair, and Basil for Jamie and a history dog. I like that. Nice history dog Dog gets a chair. Yeah. Uh, Caracalla and Getter was suggested by a couple of people, I yes. noticed, which is a, a good choice. Chris Cree uh, just went for Bert and Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I quite like that. <laughs> I like I quite like Tom McQuillan's uh, Didius Julian chair. <laughs> oh, I and didn't even see that one before. That one's brilliant. And Setimus Severus. <laughs> It's Julian. <laughs> Setimus Severus. I think that's very good. Oh, those are two very strong ones. They're good contenders. Um, then, of course, we've got uh, Morgan McCreary, who uh, came up with the idea of naming the chairs. Yeah. Either independently of us, or he was who gave us the idea, and I genuinely forgot. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Morgan. I would have mentioned that you'd suggested it, but I had forgotten. <laughs> anyway, I can see why he suggested it, because he's got two amazing suggestions. Yeah. Chair Akala 
and comfy anus. Which is perfect for a chair. <laughs> Which is, is brilliant. Apparently, I get chair Akella and you get comfy anus. Oh. Um, uh, Leo the chairmanian. Oh, nice. Michael the sitterer. Uh, oh. Obviously, play on uh, Leo the Armenian and Michael the stammerer there. Very Gilbert, nice. Gilbert and Sol... Gil, not Gilbert and Solival. <laughs> Gilbert and Samuel. Yeah. Comfy anus nice. Maximus. Jeff and Roger. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Cherry McChairface. Yeah. Goldflake and Innocence. Yeah. Nice. Chair Pio Africanus and Hannibal Barker Lounger. <laughs> that one's brilliant. Yeah. I haven't seen that one before. That's Hannibal nice. Barker Lounger is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another comfy anus. I hadn't seen that that one's been oh, that, that's, that's two then. Oh, that's, that's two comfy anuses. I must admit, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> well, there will be with these new chairs. Yeah, that's Nicole putting that one in as well. I suppose it makes sense since we announced this on the Roman one that most of them are Roman references. But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sensible Samuel getting a name check is quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, did we put it on Twitter? Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, yeah. You got check, a few on, okay. yeah, got a few Go on, on Twitter. Nautius Maximus and Silius Sodius. Nice. A, a link to like the life of Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Jene Sitsa <laughs> and the Americouch. Nice, I like it. Uh, Balbinus and Pupianus, obviously. Oh, Queen Elizabeth II for Jamie and Speaker Nancy Pelosi for Rob's chair. <laughs> yeah. Cherry McChair face. That's for, twice for, for Rob's. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. And chair one for Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> chair one, Jamie, Victoria. And chair two, Cherry McChair face. Innocence and Goldflake again. Cherokella and Cetonius. Cetonius is good. <laughs> That's who, who, who came up with Cetonius? Uh, that was Scott Bolahan. Well, there's no reason we could like mix a match. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we get to name our own chairs and we get to name yeah. them. Uh... Oh, someone's freaking me out here. You could name Rob's chair Jamie and Jamie's chair Rob. So I get to sit on you and you get to sit on me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Go on. Choose. Yeah, I think you get to choose your own name for your own chair. Oh, what, what are you going for? This is going to be tricky. Because I, re- I, really, I really like that Cetonius. I think that's really funny. Yeah, I like Cetonius as well. Well, what what are you leaning towards? Because I'm, I'm not very decisive. I don't want to steal one that you're liking as well. I see. I, I, I think there was definitely uh, two in my head of my two favourites. What are you going for? I think Comfianus yeah. and Cetonius are yes. the two bests. <laughs> Although Me too. There were some others that were really close. I mean, Hannibal Bark Lounger is just amazing. That is fantastic. Um, I, I was thinking those two as well. So I okay. think we need to decide between those two. Okay. Do you want Comfianus or do you want Cetonius? A few people have put Comfianus for my chair. So I think I should have Comfianus. You can have Comfianus. And that makes sense because your job is to listen and sit comfortably. Yeah, yes. My job is to do the research. So I have Cetonius. There we go. Well, thank you very much, listeners. I mean, I'm glad you're still listening to this because this is <laughs> this is the important part of the podcast. Yeah. Screw the rest. So we now have our names for our chairs. Yes. Very good. Let's get little labels. Yeah, spray paint them. Yes. Right. <laughs> thank you very much for listening, if indeed you still are. And thank you very much for downloading some Poppy iTunes and Stitcher. And thank you for following us on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. And until next time, all that can be said is The Vikings are coming! The Vikings are coming! <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Patriarch Nicholas, Romanus is coming. Their ships are surrounding us. They're coming, Sir Nicholas, they're coming!
No one would have believed in the early years of the 10th century that my affairs were being watched from the sea. No one could have dreamed that we were being scrutinized as if someone with eyes could study a creature from not far away. Few men even considered the possibility of life on that boat. And yet, across the gulf of the harbor, minds somewhat superior to ours regarded this palace with envious eyes. And slowly, actually not that slowly, quite rapidly and very surely, they drew their plans against us. Dun dun dun, diddle diddle, dun dun dun, diddle diddle, dun dun dun, diddle diddle, dun dun dun, dun 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 dun